0: Okay, we are recording in Portland today. <laughs> and let's get started. Hi, welcome everybody to another instalment of the Katarsi Healing Talks. My name is Helmut and I am here with our incredible, beautiful friend Laura and my amazing wife Kay. Hey Kodelwitica. Hi Laura. Hi Kay. Hello. And Today, uh, we are going to talk about the Egyptian creation story. Um, I muted you, Kay, because somebody said there's an echo. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm
1: not getting an echo either. Okay. It sounds fine here.
0: All right. It'll be all good. <laughs> the Egyptian creation story. Um <laughs> Kay, as probably many of you know, is the author of The Reluctant Shaman and Sacred Link, and she has studied with her Peruvian adopted grandparents, Tamana and Chia Haddocka, for more than 13 years. And what many people do not know, she also studied the uh, Egyptian uh, mystery teachings from the temples of Isis and Osiris. And that's where today's story is coming from. And we are very we are all very excited about the storytelling time today. And I I just wanted to mention when you listen to this, this is not just words. There's big medicine this that comes with these stories. So um try to listen with more than your mind. Listen with your heart. Listen with your entire being. Because there's a lot that is being offered in, in these stories, and and I can't wait. And the more you are able to tune in with your entire being, the more you will be able to receive and benefit from all of this. So let's get started. Kay. Okay,
2: thank
3: you. Am I audible? No, you, no, yeah. All right. All right. Thank you. Um this is uh, some of my, my favorite stuff, my favorite stories. And like Helmut said, this is from um, ancient Egypt. It's from pre-dynastic Egypt. The temples of Isis from pre-dynastic Egypt. And in these teachings, in the temples, this is, uh, this is a really big way that they... They teach a lot of their material, and it's it's in stories. There are many creation stories uh, from Egypt. A lot of them are within the dynastic era, uh, but also there's, there's still some that have, uh, keep getting passed down from the pre-dynastic times as well. This is one of them. This is one that was part of the teachings within the priesthood. So the priestesses and the priests, as they're uh, learning to live in the temple and, and learn all of the different ways uh, of doing things, all the different uh, medicine and magic, uh, the way they, they view the world and the universe, This these stories, this is how they did it. And this is, this is a primary uh, story. And it begins with, uh, with feeling, learning how to feel. One thing that, that's happened in our modern culture, we've stopped learning how to feel an awful lot of stuff, an awful lot of things feeling things in ourselves, feeling things that are outside of ourselves, feeling what's going on with the people around us, what's going on with other things around us, pets, uh, gardens, uh, animals, neighbors, the, st- the feeling of the space, the time, that that we're in, the feeling of spirits. All these different kinds of things. So this, is, this has a lot to do with learning about perceiving things on multiple levels, which in, includes in a really big way this feeling. And we use the word feeling. To talk about emotions, we use the word feeling to talk about uh, things that our senses are picking up, like um, what our sense of touch is perceiving. Uh, Sometimes we use the word to mean something else a little more nebulous, just a, a feeling, a sense of something for the pre-dynastic Egyptians, for people uh, learning the temple life and the temple ways, feeling meant everything that we can perceive, every kind of perception. So the first thing that we're most aware of is our physical senses, and those become pretty obvious to us. We learn about perceiving those, and feeling those. We learn about our emotions, and we're calling those things feelings too. What we don't get taught are all these other subtle things, the subtle energies, the subtle um, changes, the movements of things that are going on inside you, Inside, you know, the area around you, your space, uh, on our planet, in the skies. And for these pre-dynastic Egyptians, the, the temple studies, learning this subtle kind of feeling begins to become even more important than... Perceiving with your physical senses. And sometimes even more important than perceiving with your emotions. So I'm, I want to ask all of you to uh, stretch, stretch your perception. Stretch it out. Perceive on all these different levels. For the pre-dynastic Egyptians, we have our physical senses and going into this nebulous, this feeling area. This is when we are doing things with our our spirit, our, our song. We're learning how to perceive things with our song. And our song has lots of senses. It has lots and lots of senses. The Egyptians counted 360 of them. Uh, We're going to work on the, the most basic ones, the ones that come to our attention first. And those are the spirit senses that mimic the physical senses. We're not perceiving um, this information through the physical senses, through our actual eyes or ears or touch, smell, taste. But we're perceiving them with our spirit, with our song, with our spiritual energy. And they seem like there's something that might be coming through our, our physical senses, but they aren't. It's, spiritual energy, it's spiritual information. And this kind of medicine story, this creation story, there's so much medicine there. There's so much going on in an energetic way, energetic realms. And we can perceive that. We just have to let ourselves tune into it, relax, relax, slow down your brain waves, slow down all the frequencies in your body, get into alpha brainwave state, very relaxed, and while I am talking about the story, telling the story. <clears throat> Feel it. Feel it all the way through with your spirit, with your energy, your auric field, with your spirit senses. Feel it with your physical senses too. We we learn by experience. The Hedekas say this in Peru. The Egyptians have always said this. Real learning comes from actual experience. And our actual experience goes way beyond the physical senses and way beyond our 3D time space. We're going to be talking about parts of the universe that are way outside of 3D time space. But we can perceive that we can perceive it, we can experience it, and we can learn from it. So that's what I want you all to try to do. This is the way it's taught in the temples. And that's that's how we're doing it today, here. So the story begins before everything else. Before there is anything else. There is no universe, there is no Physical matter, it's way before that. Way, 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 way before that. There's no space. There's no time.
2: There's nothing, absolutely nothing. There's blackness. The black. The eternal black, ever reaching black. but it is vibrant.
3: This black emptiness is very, very alive and very, very, very full of energy, very conscious, very knowing,
2: contains all potential.
3: All the potential for all possible things that could be created any kind of universe with any number of different types of dimensions and and different kinds of realms and worlds all that potential all the blueprints for everything that could possibly be is in this blackness in this energy and when you turn your attention to perceive it, to feel it, you could feel how much energy there is, how much aliveness there actually is
2: in this blackness.
3: It's so vibrant. It's so intense. It's unlike anything we've perceived before.
2: This blackness. This is Oset Kent.
3: Another name for Oset is Isis. That's actually a Greek word that has come down to us. Meaning Oset. Kemp means black. The black is black. The fullest black. Emptiest and fullest
2: at the same time. Isis Oset. Oset Kemp. The black one. The first one.
3: She is the keeper of everything, she's the beginning of everything, the middle of everything, the end of everything.
2: She is all. She
3: perceives all. One day she decided she wanted to make a universe started to think about that. What kind of universe she wanted? What would that be like?
2: How should she go about that?
3: She thought for an endless piece of time, how to make this universe, what should it be? What should she create?
2: What would be the steps?
3: And she she knew, she felt all the way through her being, all the way through that black emptiness, that the first thing to be born had to be absolute, unconditional love.
2: Absolute pure, unconditional love. So she birthed moot, moot, unconditional love. She filled the blackness
3: with unconditional love. Remember, there is no space yet. There's no time. She birthed and she birthed and she birthed and outpoured unconditional love. In later stages, this unconditional love named mood was pictured, represented
2: as a vulture. But that's another story for later. So here we have this incredible beauty,
3: this incredible energy, this vibration filling everything, that's what existed.
2: It was outstandingly beautiful, magnificent.
3: And she thought, everything in the universe will be built out of this unconditional love. It will be made out of it. That is the raw material. That is the first material. The first, you could say, element.
2: Absolute, unconditional love. So,
3: she sat with it. She, she just enjoyed being. In the middle of the being of this unconditional love, it was alive. The unconditional love was alive. It was conscious. It could think, it could feel, it could perceive, it could communicate, it could move,
2: it could give,
3: it could receive. It was the most beautiful thing that she had ever imagined. All that potential that she is and that she holds, she pulled out out of all that potential more and more and more unconditional love. She just kept filling the universe she was making with more and more and more and more. And it still pours out of her
2: today. Filling the universe with more and more unconditional love. The first, the firstborn. The first in line. The first of everything. The unconditional love comes first.
3: And one day she decided she wanted some more. She was ready for more. She knew a little bit more about what she wanted, what potentials to go for. To bring into physical being. And the next born was Neith, the weaver, the goddess that weaves everything into being, into physical matter, into a
2: 3D time space. So she begins to weave and weave and
3: weave and weave. And she's following this unconditional love. She's pulling the unconditional love right right out of the ethers, right out of the blackness, to make her threads, to weave a material world a 3D world with space and time. And they're all built out of unconditional love. Every thread glowing. Glowing and humming. This this is the thread that she's weaving everything with. This is the thread that becomes the life energy of the universe. The threads are alive. They they have aliveness, great aliveness. They have all this potential that they're carrying that Oset Kemp, had designed for them to carry, wished for them to carry.
2: They have this energy of thought and perception, consciousness.
3: They began as she neath weaved and weaved and weaved, they the weavings began to feel their own life. They began to feel their own life story. The more she weaved, the more complex it got, the more aliveness was there, the more consciousness, the more vibrancy so much unconditional love, this life energy that she was weaving began to move through everything, began to move through the threads, touching everything, flowing inside, everything and and to and from everything that was being created. The life energy was alive and conscious, knowing, holding all the knowledge of all the potentials, all the possible blueprints that Osat
2: Kent holds in her blackness.
3: Things began to congeal into individual, individualness, uniqueness unique individuals of all kind all kinds the life energy filled them flowed through them and went on to the next unique individual they were becoming entities they were gaining in aliveness in awareness consciousness perception the ability to to think and process information and think up new things they were getting so complex and so unique and individual that they had the creator's abilities. They became creators themselves. They were a genuine piece of Oset
2: Kempt. Full,
3: full, full of unconditional love. Absolute unconditional love. And as they realize their uniqueness and their individuality,
2: they also realized that they were connected.
3: And the more Neath weaved, the more connected they became, the space between them became full, full of of life energy, full of all kinds of energies, full of the thoughts of the individual creations, These newborn entities, full of their emotions, their sensations,
2: their feelings.
3: This space, this field between them became alive. And it connected everything and everybody. Even outside of time and space, the more Neath weaved, the bigger her creation got, the bigger the space got, the bigger the field of time got. The more and more and more and more entities were there, each a beautiful song, a unique individual song, each a unique individual piece of their creator,
2: Oset Kemp.
3: And so full of love, so much love. As creation was coming into being, all these things, all these beings, all these songs coming into being, Osa kept, kept birthing out more unconditional love. It just kept pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. It was endless. And it filled everything. It filled the weavings of Neith. The more she weaved, the bigger everything got, the fuller everything got. the more conscious everything became, the more they realized each one what they were. They were feeling it. They were perceiving it on all these different levels, all these spiritual levels, all the physical levels. They were feeling that their uniqueness they were feeling their own consciousness. They were feeling
2: the potentials. They were
3: feeling their own ability to be able to create things. And so they began their own weaving, weaving within the weaving, creating. creation within the
2: creation.
3: And the universe is unfolding. It's unfolding. It's growing. It's evolving. The consciousness is getting bigger, stronger, More aliveness, there's more life energy everywhere, flowing everywhere. And this beautiful field with all its connectedness, connecting everybody and everything. So beautiful, so full of love, so full of excitement, the vibrancy and excitement for life. They were alive. This wasn't existing before, and now it is, and it's them, so alive, and they can contribute. They can create. They can make things and build things and change things just like their creator, Oset Kempt, the great black one, the great black goddess the great black egg, always giving, always giving and giving and receiving. She's now receiving the love and the excitement and the gratitude of all of her creation. They recognize her. They appreciate her to have immense gratitude. And it's flowing out of them. Everything in the creation flowing out, this gratitude and this love towards the great black goddess.
2: And she is receiving.
3: She's receiving all of it. She's feeling it. It's a new thing. She hasn't felt that before. She likes this. She has company.
2: She didn't have that before. She likes it.
3: So there's interaction. There's a flow. There's a a giving and receiving, a flow of love and gratitude and thoughts and creations and ideas, and potentials flowing back and forth through everybody and everything and through
2: Oset. Oset
3: kept herself. All experiencing, all feeling, everybody in this incredible, incredible aliveness. And the creation on so many levels, energetic levels, physical level, mental level, emotional level, spiritual level. And they encompassed all of it. They had all those things inside of them, each one of the creations each one of these weavings. They had all these things, all these levels inside. Just like Oset. Osat kept a unique individual piece
2: of the Creator, each one.
3: And then one day, Osa Kent decided there could be more. There could be more, and it could be really, really, really wonderful. It could be quite interesting and quite exciting. She decided to birth Mahat. Mahat is. From a certain perspective, Mahata's truth, the truth of things. But as we look at the truth of things, the creation is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's more and more and more of it and more levels of it. And, and it's expanding, and there's more spiritual levels and energy levels and, and emotional levels and possibilities and mental levels and possibilities, physical possibilities. it's expanding. And Mahat brings even more in her truth. Mahat brings perspective she is the truth of prospect perspective she she brings an unfolding of so many new levels and possibilities and new levels of focusing
2: perception
3: in the 3d world 3d time space with all that weaving that is just unfolding and growing and growing and growing so beautiful So full of love and life energy and all. So many different things. So much diversity.
2: This is what Mahat
3: brings. This unfolding of more and more and more of this diversity and levels. And this ability for these creations to be able to focus the consciousness to fine tune it into any little tiny area of the creation that they want or expand it and focus into perceiving and experiencing bigger pieces and more levels of the creation all at once. And what the humans discovered is that there is truth. There is mahat. There is truth. In all areas, in all levels,
2: there's truth.
3: But they don't always look the same when we're coming from our 3D time-space world that is being woven and becoming more and more and more complex, more and more and more different kinds of creatures, entities, living things, spirit things, physical things, all kinds of things, that when we're focusing in one of those areas, Things look a certain way, and that is truth. They feel a certain way. They respond a certain way. They are a particular way, and that is truth. The truth of that area, that level of creation, that, that spot, that, that focused area. where creatures like us in 3D time-space, we decide we want to focus intently on a small area of creation. We can do that, and things that, are, that we perceive, we feel, we're experiencing them. Maybe we have an emotional reaction to them, our interaction with them. And that is all true. It's all exactly perfectly true right there. But when we move our attention to a new spot, to a new thing, a new level of awareness, a new kind of entity to observe, feel, interact with, things are different. The interactions are different. Things look different. When we touch them, they feel different. They smell different. Emotionally, they engage us in it very differently. In our spiritual feeling sense, it's different. In that level of creation, in that focused area, that consciousness, that aliveness that is right there doing that particular thing, fulfilling those particular potentials, that is true and accurate for them right there. That is their truth. The two truths are different. And wherever we look, wherever we go, Throughout our universe, we're going to be perceiving things differently. And as we, like us, like a human, uh, we we have a song. We're, we're an entity in a human body, and eventually, that human body's going to die, get old, it'll die, and we have our song. We have our spirit. And we can choose to go do something else. Go somewhere else. Explore a different potential, a different area of existence. And maybe try on the the 3D time space clothes that are in that realm, in that area. It's going to be different. We'll perceive everything very differently because we're in a different place. We're observing from a different spot. Everything that we choose to focus on is going to be different. It'll pres- That perception is going to feel, the experience is going to be different than it was when we were in this human body trying to perceive that same thing. It'll be different. But they're all true. This is Mahat. This continual evolving of our universe into more complexity, expressing more and more and more different potentials. And we, as these entities, can go wherever we choose in this universe and step in step into that place that level that that kind of world that kind of uh, consciousness that kind of existence all those types of potentials because step right in and live there become one of them live there experience it we have that ability. We have that gift. From Isis Kempt, we have that gift. This gift of life. Gift of aliveness. This gift of perception. Our our beings are... Pure perception, pure awareness, pure consciousness. And we can focus it in any way we want
2: just by choosing.
3: This is a gift, and an absolutely incredible gift of aliveness. And when we choose, we can feel what the gift feels like throughout our whole being, past the physical senses. We can experience our own aliveness. We can explore our own aliveness and everything it contains.
2: And we can share
3: this with all the others. Everything else that is alive and conscious and unique. And everything in our universe is. It is all, all alive and conscious and unique. And different. Isis Kemp, Osit Kemp, decided she really, really loved diversity. She loved having this life all around her. The more diversity, the better. That's why she birthed Mahat. The more diversity, the better. The more different ways to perceive things better.
2: In the teachings,
3: we're taught to feel this, feel it with our song, feel it with our heart, feel it with our mind our linear mind linear mind can't qu- quite grasp it all it's going to try to analyze it and categorize it and stuff like that but uh it's part of who we are what we are and how we do what we do so it needs to be part of the game too we need to feel it with all the spirit senses with our physical senses with our emotions And there's so much. There's so much there. There's so much depth there. There's so much aliveness, so much unconditional love, so much gratitude in the universe. Because that's what we're made out of. We're made to be that. We're made to experience it. And we're made to experience it in so many different ways, endless, endless different ways. We're designed to create, to explore, to experience. That's a big piece of who and what we are as humans in this creation, in this web, this weaving. That is continually being woven and rewoven and added to. And we're this endless flow of unconditional love that is ever growing. And we are this endless flow of life energy that keeps everything alive, brings life, brings healing, brings nourishment, brings knowledge. And we share that. We are that and we share it. And we receive it from everything else. Everything through the universe is sharing. They're sharing these things. They're sending all of this information and this experience and this love and aliveness to everything else through the universe constantly. And we're constantly receiving one of the unfortunate things that we have done with humanity, our little corner of humans on planet Earth at this time. We've taught ourselves to close those doors, to shut everything down, to limit our perception to physical physical sensations, the senses. And we've even turned those down a bit too. We've limited it to our emotions, our human emotions, but we keep finding ways to limit that as well to try to quench them, turn them off, stash them away, ignore them. Or we'll pick a favorite one or two and dwell on them obsessively. But those are all learning experiences, too. That's, that's where we've been. In our time and space, in our era, that's where we've been. And now, it's time for us to turn that around. That era's ending. It's essentially gone. And we have to learn how to reach back out, how to open the doors and the windows, so let the light in, and let the air in, let, let all the, the scent of everything in, the sounds of everything, and the beauty the beauty of the light and the colors and the dance and the diversity and learn that that is who and what we really are. That is our, our truth in this little corner of the world for our species. That is our truth. That is Mahat for us right now. Turning, turning everything back on, learning how to perceive again. The pre-dynastic Egyptians said, we had 360 senses, different senses. Only five of them have to do with your physical body, the physical part of your senses. So, what do you think some of those other senses are? We've talked about a little bit of them. The spirit senses that mimic the physical. Our emotions are actually senses.
2: Our consciousness,
3: our ability to focus our consciousness. Our ability to tune in to other life, to the other consciousnesses around us, the other songs around us, to tune in, to touch them energetically, to tune in telepathically. This is a telepathic experience. That's another sense. to tune in and interact and communicate and share experiences and share our perspective of what life is like for us with these others and let them share what life is like for them so we can experience, touch, taste the, the experience of the life of others We have all of these gifts. We have all of this kind of capacity. And we're just, we're just at the threshold. We're opening the door. We're at the threshold. And we're learning about them. For many of us, for the first time. That's where we are with creation. Creation is eternally happening, birthing from Oset Kep and from each of us because we are an individual, unique piece of our Creator. We are creating. We are helping design the weaving that Neith weaves all day long,
2: every day. We are
3: creating our own future. Whatever it is we're going to focus on, that's... That is the future we're going to create. That's the momentum. That's the energy of our focus. This huge energy, this mountain, this like a tsunami energy. When we focus on a thing, we don't realize it, but that's the truth of it. And we're learning. We will learn how to perceive all of that. This is the momentum we are creating. Whatever we're focusing on, we're creating. We can focus on the unconditional love and we can focus on waking up out of our cultural blindness. We've buried ourselves. We've, we've been studying the, the sleepness, the fog, the half-death blinding cutting out our life energy cutting out our all of our senses and living in that half dead place half dead kind of world we it's only a, in a sense it's we're pretending to do that because we wanted to learn about it we wanted to learn we wanted to experience cutting it all off, being asleep, being isolated, terribly isolated,
2: abandoned. And that era, that time,
3: is gone. This is now a new time, a new era, a new a new piece of the weaving that we're moving into. And we're co-creating it. We need to
2: contemplate
3: Mahat, the perspective. Do we want to stay in that old perspective and try to rebuild that old half-dead world where we're working hard to try to annihilate everything? Physically, energetically, emotionally, everything? Or do we want to use our creativity? This is, this is a no bounds, no limits creativity. And we own it. It's what we are. It's us. And if we focus our attention on that and we focus our attention on the things that we would like to see in our world, in a new world, a whole different kind of perspective, a different kind of place. This is a, a different feather of mahat where we're learning how to use all of those senses, all those 360 senses, and we can interact spirit to spirit, person to person, physical to physical, emotions to emotions, sharing, knowing this connectedness, sharing deeply, deeply. If we allow ourselves to perceive others, to realize that in a lot of ways they're like us. They're alive. They're alive. They're conscious. They're a piece of creator. They have great intelligence. They've been around for a very long time. They have creativity. They have love and desires and their own pictures, the things they want to, to experience in their life and create in their life just as we do. And when we really perceive that,
2: there is no way we can harm another.
3: There is no way. We're all so unique and so individual and so diverse, so alive. And we are very, very, very connected. We're very connected, deeply, intimately connected. We're sharing, whether we know it or not, we're still sharing all these things about ourselves. And that information from others is still coming into us. We've just worked really, really hard, spent a lot of energy blocking it out so we could have that experience of, this isolation, and this half-deadness. So, this is the universe that we live in, built out of unconditional love. Everything, the first step is unconditional love. The first thing that neath touched when she started to create threads to weave a world with, to weave dimensions with, she is grabbing the unconditional love to create the threads. It's all created out
2: of unconditional love. That's something that we need to perceive. We
3: need to perceive that when we were not in this particular physical life uh, as a human on this planet, in this time with this crazy era that we've been in, we've experienced all these things. We know these things. Your song knows these things. And if you dive deep into Experiencing your song and letting yourself remember, you can remember what that's like. This
2: incredible
3: sharing from entity to entity. You can remember things as crazy sounding, as being in the middle of a nebula, being part of the nebula. A nebula, big a big cloud, a stellar kind of cloud out in space with all of those different gases and materials and colors and exploding stars and all that stuff, birthing stars in the nebulas. We've all traveled there. We've all been there. We've all been part of places like that, and we can remember it. We can go back and remember it. We can even send the focus of our attention out today to a nebula today. Way out there and experience it. To feel what what kind of life they have. What what is that like in that light with all those colors and the and all the electrical things that are going on, and the plasma, and the spirit level of all of that, the consciousness, the amount of love that's there, the creativity that's there. It's fabulous. It's mind-blowing.
2: And we can tune into
3: that fresh today, A here, here, now, today experience by sending your focus of your attention out into the universe to experience it. Or you can remember how you've done it before. Sometimes maybe you lived in that nebula as one, as a piece of the nebula. And what is that like? This is Mahat, the different perspectives, the diversity the diversity of life and the diversity of experience and the diversity of the possibilities. So we choose, we choose what we're going to focus our attention on. We choose. So, as they said in the temples, It is our choice. Each individual has to choose these things for themselves. And the collecting of all these different people together, choosing to focus their attention on how they want the world to be around them right now and in the future. What kind of future do you want? Do you have children, grandchildren, Great-grandchildren? What kind of world do you want them to be in? How would you like them to be able to explore their aliveness? What kind of things, consciousness, would you like them to be experiencing? We have all the abilities to say... Have telepathic communication with each other. We can easily perceive the aliens that come from other planets, star systems, galaxies. And they really are diverse. Many, 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 many of them. They're really, really diverse in who they are, what they are, what they can do, how they live, what they perceive, how they share we have the capacity to communicate with them. Right now, I can't blame any of them for not wanting to come down to the surface of our planet and mingle with us because we have, we have been a really violent, rude, uh, suspicious, nasty-natured group of folks Unpredictable sometimes. Sometimes that in a not nice way. Do we want to see a future that's not like that? Leave that behind with the world that's dying away? With the history that's going behind us? And build a world that has those possibilities of those kinds of interactions? Just think of what the experiences that 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 could entail and the the kind of knowledge that could entail. The vibrancy of the aliveness, the creativity. And it all reflects back to creation and to this creation story.
2: We choose. We're at the helm
3: of our corner of the weaving of Neath's very, very, very large weaving. We're at the helm. It's up to us. And we as individuals and we as a collective humanity are affecting not just us, but we're affecting everybody else, everything else in our universe. All these other kinds of things uh, and places and realities and species and their cultures, and we, we actually affect all of them. They want us to learn how to create a peaceful, beautiful, loving world full of, full of aliveness, full of creativity, diversity, acceptance, unconditional acceptance and love for each other, for everything else, and for all these other species that are out there
2: these are things to
3: contemplate this is a medicine story and medicine stories are given so that we can keep going back and thinking about them and think about this part and this part and for the rest of our lives they will teach you this medicine story will teach you and give things to you, extraordinary things to you, through your whole life. If you let it, if you allow it, if you accept it in, into yourself, into your mind, and keep going back and thinking, and just don't try to force things on on this the picture of the story with your linear mind, don't try to force analysis on it, but let it teach you about life and aliveness and diversity and love
2: and all these other things. So I thank you,
3: I thank you all very, very, very much. It is an incredible honor and a privilege to be able to share this with all of you and share it with others. Let let the old story spread because there's so much teaching in it that we really need right now. Thank you all. Thank you, Helmut. Thank you, Laura.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow is a good word. I need a Kleenex. <laughs>
0: thank thank you, Kay. Thank you, me.
1: Kay. It's
0: beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Powerful.
1: No, it's one I'm excited to. i choked up. Sorry. <laughs> I think one of my favorite parts. There's so much of that story, but I love this time. One of the things you know, I you had said, and I heard was when Isis Oset when she received the love and gratitude back, you know, a lot of people it, that's the, you know, there's, it wasn't worship. It was love and gratitude. You know, I really, and how balanced and powerful it love and gratitude back in it, accepting it. You know how it just exponentially then grows it again?
3: Yes, it does.
1: Yeah, talking about how she received it.
3: We have to learn how to receive it as well. It's, It's one of the things we learned how to do in the dead culture is to not let ourselves receive anything of this love and the aliveness and, and the diversity, the, the power of the potentials and, and the love. Everything's radiating out love in our world, in our whole universe. The rocks, the dirt, even the cement that you walk on is radiating out unconditional love. And liveness and life energy. And we learn how to shut it out, not receive it, not let it in, to shut it out. The story we've been told that we believe is that we are isolated. We're separated, we're isolated, we're abandoned. And there is nothing out there for us to receive, there is no love out there for us to receive or anything else. So we shut it all out. It takes a huge amount of energy to shut all that stuff out. That's this so, so, so much. There's a big universe. There's an awful lot of life, there's a lot of different songs and consciousness out there. And, Information and love and energy from all of it, everybody, is coming to us, to each of us, all the time. Informing us about things, gifting us, healing us, loving us. And we learned how to shut it all out. Now we have to learn how to uh, open the windows, open the doors, go outside, let it all in.
1: It's truly what I want to do now. <laughs> it's like, well, every ounce of my being today just wants to go outside and, and dance and be with it after. I mean, these stories, they are so, so much medicine, so much medicine, so much learning. And truly, I mean, for those of us who've done um, the seven levels of apprenticeship, because you For those of you who are new, Kay can keep teaching you and keep teaching you and keep (laughs) keep teaching you. And some of us are addicted to that. Um, But being, you know, coming, going through the seven levels of apprenticeship and then, you know, in the weavings, you gave today a whole new level of how to dance almost with that energy that we do with the weavings and accessing that comes with it I mean it just gives me oh I'm so excited I mean it's I've got trees to plant so they're going to get so much so much juju today (laughs) dancing with it all okay that was so awesome but you see I mean going back to the other one how mothers um I mean she the mother of everything and yet we look you know how I don't know. Cause I've got a grandchild now and you just could sit there and watch her forever, how she's perceiving and receiving and perceiving, receiving. And it's, you know, um, my husband's grandparents or my husband's parents or so the great grandparents around. And they had said that, you know, it's just like, they love wa- just watching her. We can all just sit down and watch her and, um, they don't remember doing that with their own children. You know, it's almost like they were so caught up in directing it. They missed like this radiating unconditional love and experience that's happening with these little ones. And I'm bound and determined. I'm not going to miss any of that, (laughs) but we, you know, you see mothers, you know, and that's why I think too, that moved me that she received it back. She was present with the that which she created and set forth and you know and it, it allowed all of that love that she put out there to radiate back and receive it just ooh. <laughs> you're awesome Kay. I concur yeah
0: <laughs> uh, real quick. Before we get to questions, are we gonna do questions? today? Yeah, questions. We have a big ceremony coming up later this year. It's actually called The Weavings. We'll share a lot more about that going forward. So make sure you are on our mailing list. Um, If you're not, I'm gonna put a link in here. Uh, in here where you can where you can join our webinars and that puts you on our mailing list. Uh, another, another link I'm going to share is if you want to talk with us more of how you can get more engaged with the studies and the teachings, there's a, a website link I put in. It's katase.world forward slash talk. You can set up a time and we We meet and talk online, and thank you again so much. Okay. Very, very beautiful, very powerful, powerful. Um, there is a Q and A tab uh, in the menu items on the bottom of your window, of your zoom window. Uh, you can put questions in there. We're gonna do some questions, right, everybody? Okay, there's one questions. Gloria wants to know more about um, mute and being pictured as a vulture. Um, That's a big story, I don't know. Do you wanna go into that today? Sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I think we can do an entire, separate webinar on that one. Actually, maybe we did it.
1: We did I one, I might be there. I think it's, I think I recorded it. That was when I was on duty.
0: I was on duty. Well, as much, if you wanna share quick, to give an idea, and maybe we find that recording and, and share it out there as well.
3: That'd be good. Yeah. Um, as creation moved on and uh, and kept evolving, and and we we have uh, our sentient species like uh, like us humans uh, developing everywhere all over the universe. Uh, here on Earth with our human species, we developed in such a way that we really, um, we really needed a lot of help in learning how to communicate with, with each other. And we are we coming from a place as, as a song uh, an entity that has had lives in in other sorts of places and other kinds of species where telepathy is the norm. And their whole race has always been that way. Uh, others evolved into it. And there's a piece of us that remembers that in, in our song, that, there is this this way of communicating this capacity and it's so much more reliable and easier and you can communicate so much more information back and forth uh, with telepathy than just our our physical speech that we have here. but we've been uh, developing and using and exploring and experimenting with our, our physical speech and and written um, written language as well. So part of these explorations, uh, we need symbols. We need a way to take a lot, a, lot, a huge, large piece of information about something and consolidate it all into a single symbol. So that is one of the things that we, we did uh, for many, many, many millennia, working with these different kinds of symbols. The Egyptian hieroglyphs themselves, each hieroglyph has a huge meaning to it. You could write you know a whole a volume, or maybe more with a lot of the symbols, uh on just a single symbol and then it, it developed a, in a way where uh we were using language with letters that were representing a sound, and then we'd, we'd put these sounds together to um a way to to put in physical form our verbal language and be able to spill out anything. So the Egyptians took um, about 24, 25 of these symbols and used them as letters. They still had their original meaning, which was vast, but they would use them as letters so that they could um, use this form of of writing, writing, I think that's phonetic writing to be able to share with other people in a different way and and people from other cultures uh, it's it made things easier uh, There was more opportunity for being able to write things down and share so what uh, they ended up having is the this alphabet, and then they had another whole group uh of symbols that uh create um multiple sounds altogether uh, sy- syllables and so there's that they eat all the the symbols that make up that those uh phonetic combinations um and all the individual ones that they, they all have their individual meanings, and they have their their group meanings, which, in this case, are are solely about sound combinations. And then there's all this other this huge number of symbols, the hieroglyphs, pictographs, and they have a word that that goes with them. But there's this whole meaning about the word and the history of the word and the mysticism of the word and uh, all this, you could just write volumes and volumes and volumes of, of what the meaning is of these different symbols. And in the priesthood, uh, This was a big part of of things that we learned because a lot of the mysticism, the spiritual teachings, were encapsulated in symbols that were used as hieroglyphs and used as as part of the writing. So you could write a very simple, um, plain-sounding sentence about a piece of information about something, and at the same time be telling a huge story about the mysticism of uh, what you were talking about. So symbols, they're encapsulating just volumes and volumes, sometimes whole libraries worth of information. So we're talking about moot. Usually spelt M U T, moot. A lot of our languages, our modern languages, have some form of moot in their language that has kept some of the meaning. Moot in ancient pre dynastic Egypt uh, means a vulture. And it most specifically can mean the goddess Moot, the vulture goddess who represents absolute unconditional love. And another story, it's not part of the first story, it's another story, it's shorter, earth was was being created and and getting all of its parts and pieces and there were um you know a number of spirits that helped put everything together and collected all the stuff and made this planet and it was getting all ready It's so almost ready to go and the spirits who were going to live there and do things keep order um be, be a mountain, be a river, uh, be, the the weather, uh, you know, all, all kinds of stuff like that. So here's all these spirits lining up to, to get their job. They didn't know which, which one of those sorts of jobs are going to get and the creators there and, um, uh, dishing out jobs. and. Uh, nobody wanted garbage collector. They kept moving around in line and butting in front of each other because they, they didn't want to get the job of garbage collector. They wanted something else that was, you know, a lot more grand, they thought, a lot more uh, fun, they thought. So there was only one spirit. There was only one there who loved so much. She had so much unconditional love. And she loved the Mother Earth so, so much. And she loved the project of Mother Earth. She loved the potential of what Mother Earth could be. She's the only one who seemed to notice that if there wasn't a garbage collector, and I mean mean, a really good one, that Mother Earth would fall apart soon. And there wouldn't be any project left. And no one would have any jobs and no one would have any fun. So she was more than willing to take the job of garbage collector. She knew that some of these others are going to be all hoity-toity and they're going to stick their nose up at her and call her names and tell her that she stinks and, you know, all that silly, foolish stuff. But that didn't mean anything to her. She didn't care about any of that at all. For her, the thing that was really, really important was that Earth had a really good garbage collector who was willing to be on the job all the time and never miss because if there is no garbage collector or if the garbage collector flakes out for a day, there'll be epidemics of disease and and filth and garbage everywhere. So with huge love and excitement, she gladly accepted the job of garbage collector. So that is, that's another story about mute, moot. These, uh, these symbols, we've kind of pulled away in our modern culture from, from this kind of use of symbols, especially when it comes to the spiritual level of things. All the things that I've talked about that, that we've blocked out, that we've pretended didn't exist, that we've um, shoved them under the carpet. These uh, these are the most important things. These are the things that that keep us alive and, and knowing our aliveness and loving our aliveness and being excited by our aliveness and our ability to create and our creativity. And we can tap into the great black mother's well of potentials and pick we can pick and choose things that we want to explore want to create want to bring into the world want to experience want to share it with others so they can experience it too we have we have so much of that all the all these things that are so incredibly beautiful and full of love and peace uh,
2: These are part of the
3: spiritual things of our life, of our existence. And symbols are able to represent those things in a way that the rest of our language can't, especially like our modern verbal languages, written languages right now. We don't have words to express a lot of these things. We don't have any phrases or stories to express these things. And so that's where these symbols, that's where these medicine stories come in. Because that's how we learn about them. So I hope that helps and um, gives vulture, uh, you know, a better light. In some cultures, one added thing about vulture, in a lot of the primitive cultures and ancient cultures, the vulture was considered so sacred, you weren't allowed to talk about her. Always a her. So is a she. And you weren't allowed to say her name. You weren't allowed to use her image because she was so, so, so sacred. And that's That's a perspective there, a shift in perspective. We need to play with that. We need to explore perspective. I hope
2: that all helps. Thank you, Kay.
0: Thank you. Uh We have a bunch of different questions, do we? Do we want to go through all of those? we would be here for a while.
3: You guys decide. You know me. I'll just sit here. <laughs> I'll just keep answering.
0: <laughs> uh, here's, here's one. Uh, it seems as though those of us who believe are being conquered by the non-receivers. How do we survive as a minority and preserve earthly living?
3: What a fascinating question. I thought so too. I love, I love that question. Hmm. Yes. We, we are in the midst of a world that's dying it's dying off. And the ancient Egyptians and the Hettecas and many other cultures say that this old world, this old era, as it is dying off, doesn't it's losing all of its energy and its potentials and it's it just gets louder. It starts living more and more and more in fear and anger. And so it gets louder and louder and more bold and scarier, bigger boogeyman, bigger boogeyman. It goes out with a bang. That's what my Egyptian teacher said. It goes out, always goes out with a bang. That doesn't mean it's bombs. You know bombs. It doesn't mean there's going to be a war, it just means that they get really, really loud and noisy and obnoxious, and uh, because they don't want to lose, they don't want to lose what they had, and they're afraid, they're afraid of change, and they just want what they've always had, and they want everybody else to suffer with it as well. So Take what you see and what you hear on the media, whatever media that is, we've got a lot of them these days, with a really big grain of salt. A lot of it is not true. And a lot of it is just blown way up with a lot of fear and a lot of lies. And and there's a lot of people who want to have a lot of attention And they like spewing all of this, this fear, fear mongering. Just, you don't have to blindly believe every single thing that you see and hear in the media. That's a real big piece of the teachings. We need to take a look at this blind belief stuff. We've... Grew up in a culture and we live living in a culture that has been around for millennia that is based on blind belief. In other words, it exists because the people are willing to blindly take on believing a certain idea without any question. Whatever it is, no matter what it is,' it's all a lot of this stuff is so crazy. It's so crazy, it's so stupid. Yet that's part of the flavor of where we've been. Yeah. A lot of what weaves that old world together has for a millennia is blind belief, and people willing to blindly believe whatever it is they are hearing and seeing and um, what somebody's telling them. Take it with a grain of salt. And when we look at the story that we just, that I just told, we, all of us humans, all of us individuals, we're, we are creators. We're a piece of creator. We have the ability to create. We are creating our own future as individuals. We can see a big piece of that in our own individual lives. The things that we we think, we do, we believe, our behavior, our, our feelings, our actions. We can, if you take a look and you're honest with yourself, you could see that you created. You created where you're at. And, you know, this isn't a shame on you or any of that kind of stuff. There's no blame. This is just what we learned what to do and how to be. And and we need to realize that, that this is a reality. We are participating in our lives. We're helping to create our own life around us as individuals. We are helping to create the whole world the whole humanity, everything that we see on our planet, we are helping to create that. And if our thoughts, our feelings, our attention, our emotions are all focused in this old dying world and all the the horrors that are are being all blown up and, and splattered all over the media, And we're thinking about it, we're talking about it, we tell others about it, we keep thinking about it over and over. It's all that we do. We're spending all of our time and our interior time and emotions aimed at everything we hate. Everything that we don't want in our world in our lives. We're helping build it. Literally, 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 we are helping to build that world and and keep it going another month, another year, another decade. We have an alternative. We can choose to aim our attention at anything else. We can choose to build a world, a future, and a, and a current life. We can choose to build it exactly the way we would hope and dream. And we have to do that from the inside out. That means we have to focus our attention on the wonderful, beautiful, creative, exciting, loving things that are going to build this new world. We're The Etikas and the Egyptians used to say that this is the bridge time. We are living at the bridge time, the dying off of the old world, a new world being formed. And we are the ones building and designing the new world. Nobody else can do it for us. It isn't some magical world. It's going to appear before us that we hop into and we are now in Oz. And it doesn't work like that. We built it. But if you let yourself really think about that, all the things that you ever wanted your life to be like, your children's life to be like, the whole world out here, the whole world, everything in it, our government, our educational systems, our other kinds of institutions, the medical institution. If you've ever thought about how you would like to see that be different, now's the time to start thinking about how you want it to be. Don't think about how awful it currently is. We all know that. We've been there. we talked about it. You don't have to talk about it again, and you don't have to talk about it inside your own head again. All we have to do is move our attention. Pull it out of the blind beliefs. Pull it out of the old dying world and all of it, all of it, Don't think about it. Don't feel it. Don't feel it with your emotions. Don't sense it. (laughs) Concentrate on what you want the world to be. What kind of a super world do you want the next world to be? We're, We're the ones who have to dream that dream. And built it. And it happens with each one of us. Has to happen inside ourselves. And it, you know, kind of boils down to simple. Masky, creepy stuff. Which is always in, in sickness and death. And everything icky. Or... a a beautiful, heavenly, song-filled, love-filled, beautiful future that you want to see, that you want to experience. You want everything in your life to be that way. You want the world around you to be that way with those kind of details. You put your attention either there or you put your attention there. That's... We have two choices. And it's also said that right now we have two timelines in, in front of us. We're at, the, at this edge. A pre What's that word? We're at a threshold. <laughs> Precipice. Precipice. We're there. And it's it's like it's like we could take our attention, dive into the belly of the black egg, draw, just dive in, into Oset Kemp's big black belly full of potentials and possibilities and what ifs, and find all the most beautiful things that we want our life to be our world, to be the the world we want to give to our children and our grandchildren and their children and their grandchildren. What do we want to build? And we concentrate on that.
2: Stop feeding the
3: old beast and feed the picture of the new world, the song, song world.
2: Unconditional love world. Happy world. That's where we're at.
3: And that's how you do it. Our attention is a an astounding tool with an enormous amount of power. That's where our power is our attention, and most specifically, how to focus our attention. How do you focus your attention? What are you going to focus your attention on? We have so much power, so much power. And if you want to do something like learn, learn these teachings, uh, you really start to learn about how much power we have access to. It's mind-boggling. And we can use that. We're using it every day, whether we know it or not. And what we're, we're doing when we're asleep, we're using it to build and rebuild and maintain that falling apart, icky, warring world. So it's a matter of choice. What do you want to spend your attention on? Hedek has always said, you have two things. You have attention and you have time. So what are you going to spend them on?
2: I ah, hope
0: that helps. Thank you again. Kate. Okay, beautiful. Truly.
1: Kind of led I, into a good tease about the next webinar. <laughs> <laughs> a
3: little bit. A little bit. It's it's hard to talk about any one of these things without touching on on the other things because they all they're woven together. They really are all of the same thing. Pieces and parts and perspectives of the different different pieces.
0: Okay, we got a few more questions. Hannah, yours, I think, is too far-reaching. We're already coming up on two hours. You're welcome to bring it to the mentorship. So um, I hope that's okay for now. Uh, Cindy, beautiful comment. Laura, you want to read that?
1: Let me unmute myself and I can (laughs) Uh, Cindy wrote here, hello and thank you three so much. Not really a question, but wow. This was very physical for me. As the talk went on, I began to feel the energy building, best way I can explain it. And it was all, all a feeling very foreign and new. It brought joy, tears, and a hot flash, really. Um, words cannot explain the depth of the feeling um, very well. beautiful.
3: Thanks, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you,
0: Cindy. And here's a lineup of um, a combination of questions. But um, I think I don't have a name. It's like computer generated letters. So, but the answer, whoever wrote these questions answers it themselves. <laughs> uh, uh, once we open to the voices everywhere, such as in the stones, how do we go on a walk without being overwhelmed, um, without shutting out everyone who wants to talk, say something? And the next post is how do we walk in concert with the vastness of the world, on a daily in a daily way? And then the next comment is pretty much answering it. Is it simply walking in unconditional love and meeting everyone through that? That's true. <laughs> I muted you did so.
3: I said, that's true. <clears throat> as, as we pursue this, as we go down this path and decide that we're going to wake up, out of the stupor that we've been in and, and start learning how to perceive these other things. We do, we do this step by step. It happens step by step. I don't know of anybody who all at once could perceive all these things all at once, just suddenly, out of the blue, from our, from our total blindness uh, in this old culture. That would definitely be really overwhelming. But as we learn to do this and engage, we're we're moving our focus. We're we're tuning it in and moving it around. And we're looking at, for example, one rock and talking to it and feeling it. Maybe we pick it up if it's a little <laughs> and Feel it with our our physical senses, maybe smell it even, and and just and feel it with our heart, and and feel it with our emotions, and and feel it with our spirit, and quiet ourselves down. One of the big keys is to is to quiet down inside of ourselves, so the the babble just. Kind of stops. All that interior noise and all the old beliefs are are just set aside. Just, they just send them through the door. They just they're just not part of your life anymore. And with that quietness and and we're settling everything down, slowing the brain waves, reaching alpha we will start to perceive that rock and its consciousness, its aliveness, and how it communicates. And it'll start communicating. Rocks love to communicate. Some of them are really verbose. And you'll perceive it in a number of different ways and and feel it, the the feelings of it. And... It may not come out of the rock in English sentences, but usually the, we have a translator inside ourselves that takes this spiritual energy and information and translates it for us into possibly English language or other kinds of symbols, a visual symbol or a sound or uh, you know something with our touch. Uh, so we have the sensations that are trying to send us a particular idea, in, information of some kind. And we usually understand what that means because we understand those symbols because they're the symbols that we've created inside of ourselves. They're, they're part of our interior uh, spiritual and mental makeup to be able to translate things. So maybe it's a tree that you're talking with. Same thing. They're going to send out information the way they do, in their, what you could call language, in their way. And it's going to be on energetic and spiritual levels. So you have to be quiet just like with the rock. And you have to take all preconceived ideas out of your head. Just just send them all away. No expectations, no preconceived ideas, don't jump to any conclusions. And just let the communication be. Just let it be there and come into you and perceive it and allow yourself to understand it. It sounds complicated when you have to spill it out like that, but it it isn't really, and it isn't hard. Communicating with these other entities is pretty easy. And even uh, like in the Hedekas tradition, the Katassi, some of the first things that uh, we do is, as our, um, it's a teaching, but it's also a process uh, that prepares you for a bigger ceremony. And that's to go out and collect rocks. And you're going to use the rocks in order to build a circle out of the rocks big enough for you to stand or sit in. And, you know, we usually cover it with something like, tobacco or wheel. There's a, a process of, of how to do that. But when we go out to, to collect the rocks, we're we're brand new. We've hardly done any other kind of ceremony or had other teachings or the kind of teachings we've gotten from other traditions may or may not be valuable in this circumstance. But what you need to do is to be able to communicate with the rocks because the rocks are going to tell you who wants to come with you you're going to have a big bag to collect the rocks in and they will communicate with you and let you know who wants to come to to be this altar for you to to help in your ceremony to teach you to hold the energy to to invite spirits all kinds of stuff and you'd be surprised how easy it is I've never had anybody fail at it. So you can throw out the ideas that may have been piling up in your head from other other traditions or other people's thoughts or worries uh that this is going to be really hard. It's really difficult. And you have to be a master to be able to do any of these things. And you're, you're never going to be able to do it. It's way too hard. You're just you. And you're not one of those master people. And You could just throw all those beliefs out of the window. Just throw them. Throw them out. Because this stuff is you're, It's already part of you. It's a part of your song. It's part of what what we are. And all we have to do is turn our attention to that and start doing it. And it'll be there. It will be there. Sometimes some of it feels a little slower and then it takes a little more work. Maybe getting the... The modern life babble out of your mind and beta waves in your brain uh, to slow it down. Sometimes we get so caught up in that 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 seems to be the thing that's that's hard in the moment to to be able to settle down to quiet down, send all that stuff through the door and quiet down and let your song be and let the song of these others be and know that you're connected you're deeply connected and you have the capacity to know what they're saying or what they're trying to give you what kind of exchange that they they want and they will tell you and it's a beautiful experience because it's not just like hearing somebody say words with your ears it's it's a whole being and a whole body experience to receive the communication and understand it it's It's different than the way two people standing facing each other talking at each other back and forth they're standing there talking at each other back and forth and with preconceived ideas and lots of assumptions and lots of judgments, and, and they're not really perceiving the communication at all. But things like the rocks, the trees, everybody out there, all the, the animals, dirt, if you're in a place where you don't have like rocks that are easy to find, go look at the dirt, look at the sand. Same thing they're made out of the same thing and and they have sometimes they have a lot more complex life forms in them too if you have really good soil oh that's that's a there's a whole universe right there it's so complex and so alive and vibrant and interactive and they're very willing to interact with you too so i hope
2: that helped
0: All right. I think we end on the Linda's note. You wanna read that, Laura? You muted.
1: Well, and I read it really well. Um. <laughs> 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 Belinda's note uh, words cannot express the gratitude for this teaching thank you three from the depths of my heart song to song, blessed thanks Belinda thank,
0: thank
3: you Belinda you.
0: and here's the last one from Asta D.K. thank you so much for sharing so much love through your teachings and the stories it was amazing today hard to hold tears. Thanks, Asta.
3: Thank you, Asta.
0: And on that note, thank you. Thank you, Kay. Thank you, Laura. Thanks, Helmut. Thank you, you, everybody.
3: Thank you, Helmut. Thank you very much for all the things you do. People don't realize how much you have to do to make this happen. (laughs) So thank you.
0: As you've always said.
3: Thank you, Laura. Thanks. Kate. You too. Thank you very much. And everybody, everybody out there, thank you. Thank you. Because with you listening, there's a chance that these concepts, and these teachings move forward. And they'll move out into the community and there's a chance that they will move out into the next generation because these are things that we don't want to lose we can't afford to have our future uh, lose lose any of this so thank you
0: and we'll be doing many more of these okay okay Thank you. Love you.
3: Love you all so very much. And somebody said song song to song.
1: Song to song.
3: Song to song. Song to song. Heart to heart. Song to song.
0: Okay. Until next time.